You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 3. We're going to get there in just a few moments um, as we share together. Uh, are any of you cottage or camp people? Like, I am started looking forward to summer now that we've had second winter, got warm for a little bit, and now we're into the frozen again. Like, I am counting down the days that I don't need my coat anymore. I love summer. It is the bomb. Any cottage people or camp people, you go to a trailer. My favorite thing to do at a cottage or a camp, whatever it might be, is to go find the biggest cliff all around and go for a jump. Do we have any cliff divers, cliff, cliff jumpers at all? Uh, there's always the small one, you know, it's not too bad. Then there's the middle one, and then there's the top one. And the top one is like the Hail Mary. It's never right over the water. You always got to jump like 17 feet out over a cliff face so you can get in the water, but I love it. And so a few summers ago, uh, I was leading worship at this camp with a few friends of mine. And so we had an afternoon off, and we're like, well, we're going to go, let's go find a cliff and jump off it. And so we didn't want to go where all the tourists go. We wanted to go to where the locals go, like the secret good spot. And so they gave us directions that we're going to go up the highway, make our way up there, and uh, you'll see the cliff that everybody jumps at, and then just keep going to this old rickety train bridge. And so we go on our way, we see dozens of people at the popular spot, and we're like, you know what? We're way more hardcore than those people, and we're just going to keep going to the real spot. So we come to this old train track bridge, and we're like shimmying our way out there and kind of regretting it at that point, but we're there, so we've committed. And so we walk the way out there, me and three friends, and uh, I have to admit, I am a little bit of a chicken when it comes to heights and jumping off a cliff. I think it's what's kept me around for a long time. I don't see it as a negative. And so we're working our way out there, we're standing on the edge, and my first friend, no fear, just he's in there. He's like, that was awesome. And then the second guy goes, into the water. And the last guy, maybe a little nervous, like, oh, I'm just going to go for it, jumps off the edge. And now I'm stuck, standing, holding on, and I am just so chicken. I can't do it. I'm looking at the water. I'm like, this is a bad idea. I should have just driven, and that's it. I'm not jumping off a bridge just because all my friends did. That's the classic thing your mom tells you to never do. And I'm standing on this bridge being like, well, if everybody else did it, would you do it? And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to. You know, we find ourselves in those moments. That's when we start asking every question. It's like, okay, is this really as deep as I think that it is? Uh, do any of you know CPR? If I just, I'm a goner. I just can't come back. Uh, what, when the wind's blowing east, I can't jump when the wind's blowing east. I better go back to the car. You know, we like to go, we like to ask these questions to help justify the fact that we want to take the leap, but we're just not sure. But we all know there's really nothing left to do standing on that edge, but just whew, make the jump. So I wish I could be more uh, bold, but I kind of threw myself. I had to like throw myself off to get it off. And you go and belly flop into the water. It's like, this was fun. Let's do it again. That was so fun. If you're anything like me, I like to know every possible outcome. I want to know uh, the variables to assess before making uh, what's often referred to as a leap of faith. I want to understand what's happening to the best of my ability. I think it's natural in each and every one of us. But understanding is not everything when it comes to moments where we just need to go for it. We just need to trust and make the leap. 
You know, in many ways, I think this is often our experience when it comes to maybe our faith walk or relationship with Jesus. I know that there have been many times in my following Jesus that have felt like a leap of faith, that for all the moments that I would prefer to poke and to prod, there are moments where the only thing left to do is just to take a step of faith. I think back in the story of Peter getting out of the boat. Jesus is calling him out, and Peter's like, I don't know if I can do this, and yet it's just one step that gets us along the way. <clears throat> you know, we come to our relationship with Jesus with a worldview and a culture that tells us that the highest currency in our world is our understanding. Francis Bacon is, is uh, quoted with saying, knowledge is power. Maybe you heard that growing up. Knowledge is power. And knowledge is a gift. You know, we look at it's called the James Webb Telescope. Anybody seen that? It's just unbelievable. It's just seeing billions and billions and billions of light years into the universe, things never before seen by the human eye. We get to see. It's amazing. Or you go really small, the, the, mic, the mechanics of life as they see cells splitting, things that you and I would never see, this understanding that we hold. The other day in my feed as I'm scrolling through, there's this, I don't know if it's true because it's on Facebook, but it was this surgery happening with this little robot they had made, and it was peeling the skin off a grape, how precise it could be. Or my favorite as of late is the BuzzFeed top, ti- top five recipes to get you to go from dad bod to rad bod in time for summer. Really just complex, modern miracles. But we live in a culture that measures what we should do and what we should believe by what we can know, measure, and examine and the understanding that we develop from that. And while I'm not saying that's wrong to do or even that's a bad thing, I think we need to recognize that we all come with that mindset and worldview. And so when it comes to following an ancient Jewish rabbi who lived 2,000 years ago, who is claiming to be the son of God, he may not always fit perfectly in my preconceived idea of what the world is like and my framework of understanding. The kingdom of God is going to push up against our comfort zone, how we see the world, not just once, but often. What this relationship with Jesus is asking or requires from each of us is faith and trust. Sometimes feeling like that's an all-time low in the world around us, we can be slow to trust, slow to place our faith in people and in things. And while we can understand a lot about our faith and we should desire to understand John says the whole point that he even wrote his gospel, we find it in John uh, 20, 30, 31. He says this, but all these things are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. I would suggest to us this morning that belief is the currency of the kingdom. Belief is the currency of the kingdom. And so recognize that that is going to push up against every way that you and I have been taught to understand and recognize the truth, and yet it can still be true, it can still be good, and it can still be for you. I know in my own faith, my relationship with Jesus as the Spirit of God, or, or the wind and fire we've been talking about these last few weeks, leads and he guides and he directs. He often leads me to moments of a deeper sense of trust and a deeper sense of faith in him. It can feel like these standing on the edge moments. Jesus, am I really going to take the leap? Am I going to trust you in this new way? Pastor Jason, who is uh, Pastor Carla's amazing pastor's husband, 
often has said it this way to me. It's okay to let where God's leading you scare you a little bit, to feel like a bit of a risk. You know, for myself, that's become a little bit of a marker as to whether I'm actually discerning where God might be leading me, that it might just be pushing me outside my comfort zone. And that moments of risk, they're not just moments to, to pause, but they're moments to trust Jesus in a new way. When Jesus pushes me beyond my comfort zone, we don't pause, but it's a posture for me to trust him again, even when I can't anticipate always what's on the other side. The power of the kingdom of God is not just in my understanding, it's in my belief. Steps of faith. You know, the life-saving power of Jesus, the renovation of my own heart, my own redemption arc in Jesus began long before I ever understood the way that I do now. It started when I chose to place my trust and belief in him. Jesus understood this all too well, even in his day. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at a conversation between Jesus and a a religious expert of his day named Nicodemus. And this is what it says in John chapter 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God's with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Nicodemus exclaims. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised when I say that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. But how are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish leader, and yet you do not understand these things? I assure you, We tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you do not believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And this is the famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. I feel for Nicodemus in this story. If I were to be honest, I think I am Nicodemus more than I am not because he just wants to understand We all want to understand. We all want to be able to wrap our mind around it. It's how we come to the text. It's how we come to our faith. And while it might seem like Jesus is being a little unclear and a little little unhelpful, Jesus is not anti-understanding in this scenario, but he is pro-faith. He is pro-faith. And he's pushing up against Nicodemus' understanding of the world because the power that's available 
The life and life to the fullest, as Jesus puts it. Or the new creation, as Paul says in his letters. The freedom from sin doesn't just begin with understanding. It begins with a leap of faith, a decision to put my trust in Jesus. That spiritual rebirth and new life is on the other side of faith. And maybe that's a cliff that's felt too large to jump from. I don't know if I can trust you in that way, Jesus. I just don't know if I'm there yet. Even if you've been a follower of Jesus for many years, I find there are still often moments in my own formation and the leading of my life where Jesus brings me back to take a leap of faith. As John's going to talk about a little bit next week, I can feel like standing on that cliff that day. You know, our hearts and our minds begin to rack through every possible scenario and question that would aid and comfort the fact that there is a risk to belief. There's a risk to belief. We start to ask ourselves questions like, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if God didn't really say that? What if he didn't say that? I'm just making it up, or this person said God said it, and I just don't know if I can believe them. You know, this feels uncomfortable. Could this really be where God's leading me? I thought God was all about peace, and this feels like restlessness. I'm not quite sure. God, how are you going to pull this off? Do I believe you can actually pull this off? And yet again, I would propose to us, that's not a posture in time to pause, but to decide to trust Jesus again in a new way. You know, Nicodemus was a religious expert of his day. He understood a lot about the mechanics of faith, and yet he still could not believe. He still could not trust. And you know, there are lots of people who know who Jesus is. There's people who are very familiar with his teachings. They would even profess to be an expert in Jesus. Maybe they even call his name when they stub their toe. They know who he is. And yet, they have not experienced the life transformation of the Spirit of God. They have not experienced the beauty and the grace of forgiveness of sin. Why? Because the power is not just understanding who Jesus is, but it's the belief that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We have to recognize that this is going to shift our way of thinking about the world. It's going to shift what we know to choose to have faith and to recognize that the tension I often have is not in my understanding of the gospel. It's often in the condition of my own heart. You know, good teaching is not a substitute for the good healing and the renovation of the heart through the work of the Spirit of God. Information does not precede my transformation. It, not, it cannot make the leap for me just because I know a lot. I still have to choose to apply and trust and take the leap myself. Trust and belief in the truth that Jesus is setting people free and he is redeeming what is dead in me is the catalyst to my eternity and my future. And so, as at times a recovering skeptic this morning, I want to take a look at two simple things that I think Jesus outlines in this passage and how we can navigate those moments of standing on the edge, taking the leap. First of all, this morning, our relationship with Jesus is going to require us to believe in belief again. It's going to push us to be open to a new way of knowing and evaluating the truth. Do I believe and do I live in a way that exemplifies that I believe faith is adequate? Do I believe that my faith is adequate? And you know, if maybe you're a little like me, that even phrase can be challenging for me. 
for my temperament, it can be a little challenging because by nature, I can be a little uh, skeptical and analytical from time to time. And while I don't always see that as a negative characteristic of mine, you can ask Lori Lynn as to whether it's ultimately helpful or not from time to time. But it can become a stumbling block for belief. It can be a stumbling block for belief. And so just to know that about ourselves. And that's what Nicodemus is wrestling with here. Look, Jesus, I know you're a great teacher. It's obvious. It's obvious you're a great teacher. I hear what you're saying, but what I'm hung up on here is how. How? I just don't understand how what you are saying can be true. To be born again? It was traumatic enough the first time. I just blocked it out. I have to do it a second time. And yet Jesus' response is this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Which is to say, Nicodemus, just as the wind moves, you can hear the sound, you can see the effects all around. The evidence and the understanding that you require may not be, in a sense, beyond your perception, Nicodemus. It might just, I can't point to the wind for you. I can't let you hold it, but you can experience it, Nicodemus. You can experience it. People born of the Spirit, they can tell you the effects of the blowing and the moving. They have learned the sound of the wind. I love that idea. They've learned the sound of the wind. And their lives have become evidence of this choice to be transformed and trust in Jesus. People who have a relationship, they've seen it. And you know, when we come to moments, this, I'm going to take the step, Jesus, the step of faith, taking that leap, we cannot regulate what God has designed to be relational. I like to get into the mindset of, okay, God, I did A and I did B, so I can expect C. And yet Jesus doesn't work that way. He says, well, why don't you just trust me instead? Well, I'd like to know A and B first and promise that C is going to come out the other side. And he goes, yeah, I understand. I made you. I get how you're wired. But would you just trust me for a moment? This is why our life and story with Jesus, our testimony is so valuable. You know, I can't answer every question that someone will have about faith. I can't promise to satisfy everybody's understanding of who Jesus is and why he did what he did. But I can tell you the sound of the wind. And I can tell you the movement of the Spirit in my own life that has challenged and transformed me. It has become the evidence in my own story and life that what I believe is something real. My faith does not promise that I'm going to know every answer, but it does promise that I can know God's nature. You know, we baptized my friend Jamie sitting right over there on Christmas Day. And he said something, I think, quite profound. And I, I think about it often. He said, you know, I've loved God for a long time. I've loved God for a long time. But I finally believe that he loves me. And that has changed my life. You know, the currency of the kingdom is belief. The currency of the kingdom is belief. Jesus isn't asking any of us to believe in anything but himself and his nature. The challenge for us is that often trust can be hard to give. A few months ago, I was with Pastor Will, and we were coming back from a pastor's conference. 
And so we were baby free for the evening. And so it was party central. And our version of a party was eating pizza and going to bed. And so uh, we were leaving the convention center where, or the church where we were. And we're driving down the road trying to find anything open. And there was one pizza place open in Cambridge. And so we're like, well, let's go party it up at that pizza place. And we pull in. We make our order. waiting in the parking lot. And I go in to get it. And as I walk in, uh, I'm talking to the lady. And I just peek around the back. She's going to get something. And in the back of the room, there's a small white table with two little kids, probably no older than four and five, sitting back there on their iPads watching Cocoa Melon or something. And earlier that day, I was at this conference, and this pastor came to me and said, hey, I want to give you 100 bucks. I was like, you don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> he gave me $100. He goes, I just, I just want, I feel like I need to bless you. I was like, oh, be blessed. So I took the $100. And I was standing there in this line, and I'm like, you know what? Some guy just gave me 100 bucks today. I really don't think I need it. I think this person might need it more than I do. And so just simply, as we're leaving, I took the bill out, and I put it in the tip jar, I was like, hey, uh, have a great night. Thanks for everything. And she takes it out and she goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't take this. I was like, no, seriously. Like, someone gave it to me. <laughs> like, uh, someone gave it to me today and I just want to give it to you. That's all it is. I just want to give this to you and, uh, you know, I'm paying it forward, if you will. I just wanted to bless you with it, if that's okay. She's like, yeah, but I, d I don't understand. I don't think, no, what's the catch? I'm like, there's no catch. We're not even from here. You'll never see me again. I'm getting in my car. You'll never see me again. She's like, yeah, I just don't buy it. She hands it back. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not taking it back. Like, it got a little awkward at that point. I'm like, well, I'm not taking it back. You will be blessed by me. Like, I'm, I don't want it back. And she's like, yeah, but I just don't understand why you would even give it to me in the first place. You know, sometimes the best things, the biggest God moments, they're not going to satisfy our understanding they're not going to satisfy our understanding. And yet they are for us. And they're good. And most importantly, God wants to do it. He wants to do it. You know, this past week I came across an author in one of my feeds who I think put it beautifully. He says, what we worry about most often reveals where we trust God the least. You know, we have to be open to believe in belief again. Nicodemus, Scott, Open your heart to a leap of faith. Can you trust him? Your faith may not promise you will have every answer, but it does promise you can know his nature and that you can trust him because he is good and he loves you and he wants to. We need to believe in belief again because if we will, secondly, healing comes when we fix our eyes. You know, when we fixate on the person of Jesus, when we take the leap of faith and we fix our eyes, there's more than understanding. There is healing and eternal life. In this conversation with Nicodemus, uh, he tells him, Nicodemus, you need to wrap your mind for a moment around belief because as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. You know, this story that Jesus is referencing is from the book of Numbers, and it's this moment where the Israelites are walking through the wilderness, and every time they go walking through the wilderness, you'll notice they kind of get a little grumbly. The Israelites tend to complain a lot in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a key characteristic of what they do. And so as they're walking through, like, oh, God, I knew that he's not with us, and oh, he's taking us to the wilderness, and I'm sick of this, and I'm eating this bread manna stuff, and it's not great, and um, they're grumbling along the way. 
And so for a moment, God hands them over to what they want most. He goes, well, okay, if that's what you want. And he allows and sends this uh, bunch of snakes to come and bite them at the heel. They're biting them at the heel, and they start, they start getting sick because they've been poisoned by the snake. And so he says to Moses, well, if you want healing, make this bronze staff, and you're going to put a snake on the end. You're going to lift it up, and all they need to do is look to it and believe that God will heal them, and they will be healed. So the point of the story is, next time you're complaining about God, watch out for snakes. No, that's not the point. The point of the story and the point that Jesus is making is actually quite poetic in nature. And to the listeners, it would have been a very familiar story. But it's this incredible Eden imagery we get. If you think back to the moments in Genesis 3 where the Israelites were just like the Israelites in Jesus' day, or in Moses' day, each and every one of us have been cursed by the bite of the snake. You know, we all live with a terminal diagnosis of our own doing of sort. The sin and the brokenness I not only bring upon myself, but I often perpetuate. You know, our faith is not just about pledging allegiance to a doctrine or a worldview. It's about being rescued and restored. Jesus says that the Son of Man himself will be lifted up not just as a sacrifice for my sin, but for a solution for my healing. Jesus did not give his life to be a ruler. He gave his life to be a redeemer. There is no regulating what God has designed to be relational. All we need to do to receive that healing is to lift our eyes and believe in him. So my question for us this morning is, when's the last time we stopped to lift our eyes? to remind ourselves of who we are and what we believe. You know, when we come to moments like worship every Sunday, I think those are incredible, powerful moments, not just because Dee and Carla sing like angels and it's awesome, but it's a time in my week to stop for a moment and just fix my eyes once again. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but those who are being saved know it's the very power of God. I think Jesus is inviting us to lift our eyes often. And that healing brings hope for us. There's a newness when we choose to take a leap of faith, to be open to receive when God, what God is so ready and freely wants to give. Our everyday life with Jesus is not just about a daily check-in, but it's about my daily healing. I know John next week is talking a little bit about the practices and rhythms and routines that help us live a life that follows Jesus. Those things are not just about uh, checking the box. Whoop, did it. It's about me understanding that every day I need a fresh dose of healing in my life. It's about lifting my eyes to recognize that my future and my hope has always been and will always be in the healing work that Jesus is doing in me, and that is why I can trust him. And when I lose sight of that, when I let my eyes fall for a moment, it only just leads me back to the condition that I found myself in. You know, a few summers ago, I started using this inhaler, which is just, it just makes me really cute to my wife. It's like, hey, I, I use this inhaler. I use it twice a day, every single day. I must use it. I have to use it. And so uh, when I was kind of discovering that I needed this, it was slow, it was gradual, but over the course of the day, I would find myself just not being able to catch my breath. I couldn't catch my breath. 
until it comes to a moment of crisis. But when I finally went to the doctor and they got what I needed and I took it out, it's like I had forgotten what it was like to breathe. It had been so long. It was a dose of reality. You know, maybe you've been walking through a season of life that just feels like I can't catch my breath. Whether it's a direction, you're looking for fresh purpose, there's challenges in your family, you're full-time in school and it is just overwhelming, there's sin that is just reoccurring that we just can't seem to get a handle on, maybe there's distrust or you're fearful in your relationship with God or others, your marriage is falling apart, whatever it might be, slowly but gradually, it's like it has this chokehold on our faith. Like we just can't catch our breath. You know, those leaps of faith, they start looking bigger and bigger and bigger to take. When's the last time you lifted your eyes to Jesus? When we lift our eyes to Jesus, we can trust anew. It's like a fresh breath of air for our spirit. It reminds us what it's like to breathe again in the spirit of God. And that that healing brings hope. That healing brings the ability to trust him in the way that I need to. You know, I would say for myself, I don't know if my heart has the capacity to trust Jesus in the way that he needs to without it. I need that fresh daily dose of the spirit of God to teach me what it's like to breathe again in the spirit, to know. Life with Jesus is gonna require lots of leaps of faith. I can tell you my story. I'm sure there are many of us in this room that can give us theirs, but at the end of the day, it always comes back to moments where we choose to trust and believe in Jesus. It's gonna push up against every sense of security that we might have. You know, we wanna get all of our ducks in a row before I'm all in. I understand. That can be me from time to time, and I wander back there more often than I'd probably like to. And yet, the currency of the kingdom is belief. We must be born again. We must believe his spirit is in us. We must believe that he holds us and that he heals us and that as he leads us, I can follow because I can trust his nature and his goodness towards me. We need to believe in belief again that our faith is adequate and that although I may not know every answer, I can know his nature and I can know his goodness towards me. That taking this step is taking the step with a good God who loves me, who is for me. And we need to lift our eyes often, not just because it helps us take steps, but it reminds us of who we were made to be and that healing brings hope to be able to follow Jesus wherever he might lead us. Let's pray this morning. God, I say thank you first and foremost that you are endlessly patient with us. God, you're patient with me. That as I learn to follow you and walk in the way of the Spirit of God, that God, as the wind of the Spirit blows through my life and I can see the evidences all around and a response to the leading, God, I pray that you would give me the boldness and courage to take the leap when you ask me to. God, would you teach me to believe in belief again, to understand that faith is a choice and it's adequate, that God, I may not need to know every answer, but God, I can know your nature and I can believe in that. God, would you remind me to fix my eyes? That God, when it just feels like I can't catch my breath, that your spirit would blow through my life to 
to bring the healing and hope that I need to follow you each and every day. And you're awesome, and you're my name we pray this morning. Amen. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. 